When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, FOMO Sapiens. Welcome to this Tuesday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel here with Joel Condon and Dennis Dick. I am back in our office this morning, first time since like early March. Uh, so it's like riding a bike, just trying to uh, remember uh, if I can use uh, how to use our equipment. If, if there's anything that's that's a little bit janky with today's broadcast via volume levels or whatever, just let me know in the chat and I'll play around with things. But uh, I am back in the driver's seat here, feeling good uh, on today's show. We're just talking about the Groundhog Day trade. The same rally that we've been seeing is actually off a bit this morning, but we'll talk about whether or not they're buying the dip in stocks like the airlines, the cruise stocks, uh, Nikola, holy cow, NKLA. It's the new Tesla. Forget Tesla. Tesla is so last year. It's all about NKLA now. Not only do they have earnings, they don't have any revenue. doesn't matter. Uh, same same story in Hertz and uh, Chesapeake. We'll talk about the move in those stocks, and uh, we'll take questions from our chat as well. Our guest today is Todd Gordon. He's a CNBC contributor and also a managing director at Ascent Wealth Partners. He will join the show at 8 to 35. In the meantime, Joel, why don't you uh, hop off mute here and uh, tell us what's going on in the overnight session. Uh, good morning, Spencer and traders around the world. Just a quick preface here. I am on the line with technical support at TradeStation. Uh, I think there's something wrong with my quotes because I have the S&P futures in the red here, 26 and a half handles. Can anybody confirm that's true? Because I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. We're down 26 and a quarter handles, 26 and a half, 3201. We matched the high from yesterday. Kind of flipped around, no macro news, got through the interday from low from yesterday, trying to rebound. Pointy control for me today, 3210. That's halfway back on the session. That's also the area of Friday's high. Crude in the red, let's just call it crude flat here at 3819. Gold back over 1700, up 690 at 7. 1705.20. Silver going the opposite way, uh, down 6.8 cents at 17.82 and a half. And Bitcoin made a run at 10,000 this morning, 9,985. We're trading up $40 at 9,820. If we could grab Triple D here and stop him from buying bankrupt companies, uh, he can join the show. Holy, you know what? I am caught in the trade a little bit here, not in the <laughs> bankrupt stocks, but. Playing some of the trash stocks because they've just been on fire. And I'm like scrambling a little bit because the trash stocks are really getting hit here today. But these are trades. They are not investments. I mean, it's amazing to watch something like Chesapeake unfold. 
stock goes from $12.50 two days ago because everybody knew it's been rumored forever that they're going to file for bankruptcy. Rallies over 500% in the last two days. And then, to, and then is it official, Spencer, or is it still just rumored? But I know Bloomberg was reporting it last night, at least that's what I heard. Um, that they are intending to file for bankruptcy. Is it official here this morning? No, I don't think there's been an official filing. It's just they're preparing to file. They're preparing to file. So they're going to file. Anyways, the stock is down the tune of from last night. Actually, it's down 50% because it was trading over 80 when they announced this news last night. So down $40. You'd expect it to be down in normal markets. It is, but who the hell knows? I mean, it, I, I wouldn't short it. You know, you think, oh, yeah, I'll short at 40. It's going to zero. Well, we've seen what happens when you start shorting bankrupt companies in this market. They go up. So it's very difficult to just say, okay, yeah, it's going bankrupt. This is a zero trade. No brainer. Hit the short button and collect. Uh, that's what they thought in Hertz. And that's what obviously, you know, traders thought in Chesapeake three days ago. And they got there. Then they got smashed. Tailored Brands, um, again, rumors here that they are going, preparing to file at least their owner, um, which is, is it, uh, Joel, you, you were playing this one. Um, yeah, yeah. Joe, Joe is that the Men's Banks, Warehouse? The Men's Warehouse, yeah. yeah. And, uh, oh, my, you talk about uh, timing. You know, we talked about this a couple days ago, and I was in it. And I would, at 319, 318 yesterday, uh, time to take uh, Perry out for a little walk before the 340 show. That thing's trading like 240. 245. I'm like, man, I'm gonna hold on to this one till the cows come home. I come back, I come back downstairs at like cows seven minutes later, and it, it's at 205. And I'm like, wow, that you know, that's not good at all. I didn't even look at the news. I didn't even look for news on it, man. I just hit the sell button. I said, you know, I because I I think I picked it up uh, last week. I hit the. I didn't even look, and then I pull up the news afterwards, and uh oh, bankruptcy. So, could have been a great trade. Turned out to be an okay trade, but that's just sometimes when you see the price action and you're thinking, oh, I got to make a decision. News, news, news. Yeah. Just boom, hit the button and get out. But. Uh, yeah, they, they, that's they, these stocks. And I was in Taylor Brands a few days ago, uh, just playing it for the same trade. I had bought a bunch of stock on that breakout above at a buck fifty. I bought, I think ten. You know, I bought, I bought a lot of stock. I won't say how much I bought. I almost said it, but I'm not going to say it. Um, I, and uh, at a buck fifty, one buck fifty two, and then it ran up, and I sold like a buck eighty two. So it was a quick trade. In it, you know, in it just that one day, and from the pre market. So you know, more just you know playing this you know trash well, trade as, as yeah. best he can. But the, the thing is, the one you think you got to consider is that you got to be very cautious in these stocks because there's going to be a few of these that are rallying and then boom, they declare bankruptcy. And you know what? Eventually we'll be in markets where stocks actually go to zero when they declare bankruptcy. So you don't want to get stuck in these things. Is Chesapeake coming back to 80? Who knows? Um, you know, because this market is just crazy. But in normal markets, no. So if we were in normal markets, I would say get out while the getting's good. You still got 42 points there in CHK, but we're not in normal markets. So I have no idea really even how to trade this last night. I mean, I saw the headline. I could have shorted at $65, and then I could have shorted at $53, and I watched it rally up to almost scratch again at 68 last night after the rumors of the bankruptcy. So, you know, now investors are coming in. They're using you know, their, their brains a little bit here and saying, wow, it's going bankrupt. There's probably not much left. I believe the bonds and I don't, I'm not a bond trader, but somebody uh, was, was saying to me that the bonds are trading for five or 10 cents on the dollar. 
So if you've got the bonds trading at that low, there's very little likelihood that there's anything left for the equity holders. So if it does declare bankruptcy, it is probably a zero. But with that being said, it doesn't mean they can't squeeze it before then. We saw Hertz, which is probably a zero rally from 40 cents or 50 cents or whatever, I guess 80 cents, up to over $6 last night. So crazy market, price can go anywhere. People are realizing that when you are disconnected from fundamentals completely, and the market is completely disconnected from fundamentals, that price can go anywhere. Well, what about NKLA here? Because this one, I don't know, where, I don't know where this ranks uh, in terms of crazy stock moves that I've ever seen, but it's up there. Because okay, this is first on NKLA, multiple thoughts. One, first we got to give some props to Kenny Glick who came on this show <laughs> when this was BTIQ. He was playing this thing from like eighteen bucks. Kenny, I hope you held on. It's eighty-seven dollars here now. We know you're pretty good at holding on, much better than the day trading Denny, uh, but. I mean, you, you've done a great job, you know, with a lot of these Momo plays. We know Kenny doesn't give a crap about the fundamentals. So this is a Kenny Glick market uh, because he's just looking at technical action. He sees stuff breaking out and he goes for it. Um, so good job on this call on this, Kenny. Um, we're obviously talking about hit the bid, um, Kenny Glick. And, uh, but then the second thought here is we've seen this story lots of times where you got new companies that are coming out, that are trading, you know, on, you know, the hope, the excitement, the, the story, all that. That's nothing new. The, the, the rallying the Hertz, you know, 500%, the Chesapeake's and, you know, all the other garbage that they've been rallying here for the last, you know, and garbage stocks, not garbage companies, but companies that are teetering on bankruptcy or negative cash flow. They, you know, the, but the buying of those indiscriminately is not normal behavior. This, we always have a stock like this. There's always something, some new hot IPO, some new story that's flying. Where the party ends, who knows? We know Kenny doesn't care. He's just going to ride it until it looks like it's starting to roll over. Uh, but, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm in a, this isn't my cup of tea trading these new IPOs because they're wild. Like that. I can't even I, – I don't even know what to tell you on a stock like this. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, it's, it went to 87. There's a lot of people banking. It's probably going over 100. It might, but sometimes they give you the old 94, pull the rug out from under it's 70 trick. So this stuff is very hard to trade. Again, you know, Kenny's been trading a lot of years. He's good at this kind of stuff, but he's probably not coming in and buying and selling at this point in time. He was buying it when it was calmer, when it was breaking out. So a little bit more where he can control the risk. I'm, I'm sure Kenny isn't coming in and putting new money in at 86. Maybe he is. I'll tell you, I, I doubt he is. And I, I'm definitely not. So, you know, these are just, you know, my thoughts, how I trade this kind of stuff. Um, and how I trade this kind of stuff is I don't trade it. All right, uh, SP's uh, climbing back up here, back over 3,200. Not seeing any, like I said, macro news to have us down. We do have just, I want to bring uh, to the attention of our listening audience that we have two things. Uh, number one, Fed meeting tomorrow. And uh, Spencer and I already discussed what they're going to say, that they're, they're data dependent. They're monitoring the situation. They have unlimited QE, and they'll do anything to keep the market up. And then, <laughs> and then also, and I should You're have mentioned. telling me they might be, it might be good for the markets. Yeah. Uh, and then the other thing is, is you got the rollover going on, right? When's the yeah. roll? Well, the 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 front today, Tuesday and Wednesday they started. Thursday 
will be officially the uh, the contract will be September. So you see kind of these uh, these vacuum areas during these kind of rollovers. I think maybe that's what happened a little bit last night, the volume being spread out a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. I'll follow the June through Thursday on Monday. I'll be back on or through Friday. On Monday, I'll be on the September. And then next week, we have uh, the, the Triple Witch. So uh, another dynamic to keep in important. A lot of turning points coming those uh, those expirations. Got the Russell coming up too. <laughs> so we should. That's always some fireworks I, I gonna, on the Russell. I was mention that because, and also, didn't State Street uh, postpone some rebalancing until June? I think they postponed some index rebalancing that was supposed I'm to happen. I'm pretty sure the Russell's still a go though. I yeah, Russell. Looking it up. No, no. I'm saying, but there was re rebalancing that was supposed to happen in like April and May that yeah. was post postponed to June. So there's going to be some more rebalancing this month than there normally is. I think why they do that, postpone it, you might ask why, is because when you got the VIX way up, the liquidity is so much lower. It's all When you're doing these rebalancing, these are price impact events. And you don't want to be doing a rebalancing when you're, the spreads are three times wider than they normally are because mm -hmm. you are going to pay through the roof. So that's why they postpone it probably with these rebalancing. We know these things move stocks. The Russell is probably the biggest mover of the year on moving the small caps because these things will move the inclusions, you know, and, and I've played the Russell for 20 years. Um, the last few years I'm hands off because it is just a lot more unpredictable than it used to be. It used to be like, you know, blind, blind, you know, the blind man just picks it up and, and you basically just, all you have to do is buy the ads and sell the deletions a few days before and the trade works out. That's 10 years ago. Doesn't work that way anymore. They get crowded, they get over, you know, sometimes the deletions start going up on you, the ads start going down. It's wild. The way I do play it still is I do the fade trade on the close. And you're talking about the fourth Friday of the month. So that's when the Russell will rebalance. So do we have the date actually? On yeah, that? here. So I, I do have the date. So the, if, you're interested, if you're interested in this trade, this is what you should do, okay? You should go to uh, the Fitzy Russell site, okay? Uh, last Friday, June 5th, was the first day of this process, right? And they released the preliminary list last Friday, the preliminary list of the stocks that are being added to their indexes and the stocks that are being deleted, okay? That list will be revised this Friday and next Friday. And then on the 26th, the final Friday of the month, that's when the rebalancing will go into effect at the close. So they're going to uh, make a lot of there, there will be volatility at the close on that day because it'll be wild in a wild close only in the stocks being added and deleted. So, so take a look at that list. It's on their site right now. It's the, it's the preliminary list. They're going to re revise it a couple times here, but that's the, that's the first list. And those stocks will potentially be volatile at the close on the 26th because yeah, the thing, reason you're not doing it is because it hasn't acted true to form at all. Correct. No, yeah. And I, ha you know, I, like I said, it used to be like, you know, the blind squirrel finds a nut, you know, every, every time on the Russell trade, because it was like buy the ads, sell the deletes. Sometimes we'd even put the portfolio on early and they would drift up. The ads would drift up, the deletes would drift down, but the trades just become crowded. It's become gamed by, you know, a lot of algorithmic traders where they get you in, they sucker you in, and then they take it the other way. I've seen even closing imbalances on them. You know, they show big buys, and they end up big sells. I've seen some wild stuff happen on the Russell. So that's why I'm very cautious now with the way I approach it. The safest way I still believe to approach it, and I've played it that way, is usually, and it's, it's not logical, but if you see the deletes actually getting killed on the day, it's often a play 
to actually buy the deletes on the closing print and sell the ads on the closing print. That's worked sometimes, but the fade trade, I play the fade trade basically on the fourth Friday into the close, fading the moves. And a lot of times you see some of these moves because they're done just for rebalancing purposes, not for company fundamentals, not that company fundamentals matter anymore, but normally they do. Um, and you often see some of those moves retrace on the following Monday. So overnight fade on those moves often works. Whether it's going to work in this market environment, who the hell knows? Uh, real quickly, uh, for Rebel in the chat, he was asking about rollover, what I meant in futures. And uh, I'm just going to speak for the, the financial futures and the S&Ps here. They have quarterly expirations, March, June, September, and December. So as you approach, we are approaching the expiration of the June contract. You have to roll over your contract. So if you're long the June, you want to stay long the June. You need to sell the June and buy the SEP and vice versa. So crude has, uh, you know, a monthly rollover and expirations. That's how it kind of went to negative 40 because of the dynamic of that. But that's just when contracts expire and you roll over to the next contract. And there's actually, I didn't participate in it, but I knew traders on the floor that only traded the rollover, that only traded the spread uh, between the contracts. Now I'm sure that's, uh, that's done electronically, but I uh, just wanted to explain. Any other questions you guys ever had in the chat? We use a lot of terms, a lot of things from our you know, combined years of the markets. If you don't ever under, understand anything, throw it in the chat. We definitely want to get to it. That's why we're here. So jumping into individual movers, we've had some requests already coming in. Uh, Mike on Twitter is asking about Boeing. It's been an insane move. When I started talking about it two weeks ago, 120 or 132, I thought it had room to 150 or 160. <laughs> I had no idea it had room to $230. So it's been an incredible move here for a company that is not firing on all cylinders. Again, this is what this market is buying. It's the hope trade that everything's going to get back to normal and all the airlines are going to be flying at full capacity and Correct. they're going to have demands for all these Boeing planes. I think it's wishful thinking, but the market doesn't give a crap about any of that right now. All it cares is that we just have to buy anything and everything. And Boeing has been obviously uh, benefiting from that. And one of the leaders, I mean, uh, trader at Bright was just talking to me saying, I use Boeing as my indicator for all the airlines. When Boeing starts to go green, the airlines follow suit. And, you know, so this is, let's talk in relationships. And Boeing right now appears to be leading the airlines and it's your leader. If you're trading the airline stocks, keep an eye on Boeing. If Boeing turns around and starts going green today, you might see the spirits and the AL start to follow suit. So keep an eye on Boeing, even if you're not a Boeing trader. And uh, also, I think I saw they have some delivery numbers today, right, Spencer? I didn't see, I, I saw it, I think, on uh, CNBC and... Um, Who's the guy that talks about Boeing and the airlines? What's his name? Uh, uh, with the black Abraham? hair. What's his name? Oh, 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 Phil LeBeau. Yeah, Phil LeBeau. I yeah. thought he said something. So they're not expected to be great, but who knows how they're going to react. Uh, I'm just looking at this technically, yes, and that's the only way I could look at it right now. Well, Big that's the best way yes. to look at it right now because you're looking at anything fundamentally and you're like hitting the sell button on everything. So – Best way to look at everything right now is technically. 
if you're if you're on this thing and you're scratching your head and you're thinking, what should I do? First thing you want to see is you want to see it go green. You want to see it get up to 230.50. That was the close. That's where everyone's marked. If, in fact, the longer it takes to get to that closing price, I think you got a little bit more of downside in the issue for today. I think maybe a little nervousness ahead of that delivery number. If it goes through there with like, a, you know, a lot of juice, then you'd like to see yesterday's high as a target, 234.20. Coming back on the downside, I don't know. I mean, if you're using yesterday's low, maybe as a potential exit area, maybe you get a couple days of consolidation here and then it move higher. So uh, first things first, keeping an eye on that closing price, 230.50 um, in Boeing. It was lower, uh, but it's rallied back. Actually, it did, boom, 5 a.m. this morning, someone whacked this and pretty good volume at 214.66. That was the low. That's probably when the spoos are at the low of the session, too. We're, so there's... we're on the comeback trail here. You come oh, in and you sure. say, oh, you know, this is an ugly morning. I'll Not tell you, it was a lot uglier two hours ago. So we have come back along. The buy the dippers are already working the pre-market action here. And just because we're down to, you know, 20 handles on the S&P, is not telling the story here. We were down significantly more. There was some stocks just getting hit really hard, especially some of those trash stocks that we were talking about that have been getting bids relentlessly. The money was flying out of those this morning. But again, the money's starting to come back into these things as you get everybody saying, oh, if I buy the dip, I make money. It always works. So I'm going to come in and just buy the dips on these stocks because it's going to you know, continue to work. And you know, I've been saying one day it won't. I've been saying that for a long time. So I'm not going to argue with you when you're buying the dip here because, you know, and I've been a buy the dip trader for a while here too, because it just continues to work. Okay. All right. Uh, we do have uh, some earnings to cover here, believe it or not, still in the earnings season. Stitch well, fix. You want to do that one? Well, I want to do Macy's first because they weren't on the calendar, but they, preliminary gave, numbers. they gave some preliminary numbers this morning here. They gave a prelim Q1 EPS of a $2 and three cent loss per share, which is 30 cents better than the estimate. They gave a preliminary sales $3.02 billion, which is pretty much in line. 3.01 billion was the estimate on that. So um, I guess good prelim numbers. Macy's is trying to hop on the, uh, the buy the junk trade. I think. I mean, the numbers, whatever. Um, that they raise some capital here too. I mean, oh, that's also important. They raised four and a half billion dollars. Yeah, I think that that's kind of that was last night. That's kind of the headline that was driving is that okay? Macy's is going to be liquid for a while because we are worried about Macy's going under. We've been worried about this for a while. It looks better right now. They're raising some capital. It's going to stick around for a while. I mean, we thought J.C. Penney was going under for five years before it actually finally did. So you know, I still think long term money. I'm not putting it in Macy's, but short-term, the trade's higher. You're chasing it, though. And I'm still, even though chasing has worked here for the last few days, I have 20 years of, you know, it not working. I'm not going to start chasing stocks. And if you were chasing last night after hours on some of these other stocks, you're getting hit hard here this morning. So Macy's, it's a no-touch for me at this price. Okay, let's uh, put it up. Letter M coming out with the preliminary numbers. Whew. 10 bucks, 10.45? Come back a long ways on the bottom, Joel. Wowzer. Uh, you did get a couple spikes over 11. So if you want to hold out for more here, you hit 11.15. Uh, what else did you do? You hit 11.13. So a couple spikes over 11. You got to imagine, since we haven't been near 11 in a while, 
there's got to be some paper there, Dennis. Wouldn't you say? I mean, there's got to be could paper. Be. Could be some Does paper. Does paper matter on? But but okay, paper matters when stocks aren't trading millions of shares. It's not three million shares or right pre market. It's going to chew through whatever paper's there. Even if there's a million shares there, I mean that would be a stopper. But and JV Spec, we can ask you. Actually, I have my book too. I'm just. Anyways, I, I don't have it open here right now. I just got to go open it. But, um, and we're talking the New York Bucks. So Joel's saying there might be a big seller up there. Eleven, could be a maybe seller at ten away. and a half. Uh, I think a... ten. I think yeah. probably a seller at ten. But I still think with the volume it's traded, probably choose through that. So okay, okay, all right. Just looking. I mean, in order to get ten, to the top, ten ninety five JV specs of seven hundred thousand shares. So that's big. I mean, it's only trade two point nine million in the pre market. So it can it can slow it down, but if it wants to go through eleven, it's going to go through eleven. Well, here what I'm saying is that I really highly doubt it's going to go through eleven because you had sellers at nine fifty seven and nine sixty. Uh, so there's a double top there. So there's paper there that you got to chew through. Nine seventy, nine eighty, nine ninety, then ten bucks, ten ten. I mean it. I, I mean I know it's already traded three million, but man, oh man, for it to open up. At eleven, I, I mean, it will. I I don't know. I don't have the book open, but it would need a lot of stock. But anyways, if you're looking for a gap fill in this one, then nine sixty, nine fifty seven were the highs from the previous two sessions. Let's and then the party let's, going. Let's go to Stitch Fix here. Uh, SFIX. They had earnings after the close yesterday. Uh, no surprise, they were bad. This is a company yeah, that laid off twenty percent of their workforce a couple weeks ago. So earnings per share, they lost thirty three cents last quarter. That is a five hundred percent decline on a year over year basis. The estimate was that they would only lose sixteen cents per share. So they missed that. Stop. A five hundred percent decline. How do you have a five? How, how do you have a five hundred? It has well, to only be a hundred percent decline. They went from making money, making money to losing money. Oh, okay. So you're saying the net the, the earnings. I didn't said the sales. I was no. like, how did the sales go down 500%? They went from making money I was like, losing. that's impressive. If the sales are dropping 500%, I might actually short the stock. <laughs> earnings, earnings, earnings. <laughs> earnings, uh, earnings. Gotcha. Sales, sales also missed. So the earnings per share missed and the sales missed. $371 million was, was what they said. $406 million was the estimate on that. So light on the earnings, light on the revenue. And not a good recipe uh, in this environment. Seller at 26 had it right the last three sessions. Yeah. Trip, yeah. Someone was smart. Wiggle kind of reminds me of what work did before uh, before its number. Uh, whew, big range. I don't know what someone interpreted to take this up to uh, 26.96. You had a pop there, then a big old first bar. Lot, not much liquidity. 22.18 and kind of on the comeback trail here. I'd say the more legitimate low would be 22.70. But man, I don't know. You went from 12 to 26, 14 months. I don't know if I could seriously get interested in this one until it gets back down to 19.20. You know, 19, 19 to the $20 area, that'd be your 50%. Uh, but kind of on the comeback right now uh, as we speak. The high off that low, I'm not going to, I'm going to give you just the morning high. That's 2370. I'd use that as short-term resistance. Next. All right. What else? Well, then you lead the way, Spencer. 
Oh, thanks, Dennis. I haven't led the way on this show for quite a while, so I, <laughs> I, I appreciate I've been wound up too much. I'm calm today. Oh, you were so wound up I'm yesterday, calm. Dennis. I'm calm. I, I can't believe you. Yes, Feel you were... the calm. I, I, I could have taken the day off yesterday. Feel but anyways, calm. go ahead. Well, do we want to look at like uh, a company like Brown Foreman had earnings? Do you want to look at HD Supply? They had earnings. Uh, do, you, do you care about any of these names? HD's General to... Store. Okay, let's just forget all the earnings because they're not that exciting. Let's go <laughs> no, in all this Momo no. stuff. Back to the Momo stuff. Back to everything that's been going crazy. What everyone crazy. cares about. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, and this is this is just, you know, and especially traders that are newer, they're always going to get attracted. I mean, when you go to that Robin Hood list that Anne Marie was bringing up. That was amazing. Day, great list. And, um, you know, thanks for the link there as well. If you want to show it again. But it, the reason all of these stocks, you know, are on the list is not the fact that I believe that Robinhood traders are anticipating those moves and are jumping in to those moves ahead of the move. They're chasing. They're all chasing. This is what you do when you first start trading. This is what you do when you're new to trading. You chase. So they're in all these stocks. They're interested in all these stocks because they look at the big mover and they're like, this one's up 50%. I got to buy that one. This one's up 60%. I got to go buy that one. So they're always going to just probably be near, you know, so we give Robinhood traders a little bit too much credit maybe yesterday saying that, oh, they're anticipating all these moves. And they're making all the money. They're probably just chasing all the moves. So, you know, even who's that day trader, the guy from uh, Barstool Sports, David yeah, Portnoy? Dave Portnoy. Portney? You got it. You got it. You got it. Anyways, like, you know, he's a classic example. It's funny as hell. I mean, if we catch the guy, and it's funny as hell. And I think, you know, he was doing all this for obviously the following and for the jokes. The guy's rich. I mean, he's done fabulously well through obviously, you know, his career in entrepreneurship. But I mean, he's coming in. He went with, to you know, Michigan. You know, I think three million bucks with day trading. And, you know, and he got lost, quickly lost like a million dollars or something. And then he's got all back. And you can see, you know, just, the, you know, it's like when I first started trading, you jump in and you're chasing. You're chasing this. You're jumping in this. Where's this? Let's move to this. Oh, let's go this. Oh, this thing's getting killed. This got to come back. I'll buy this. I mean, you can see all those, you know, you know, those early mistakes. And those early mistakes are paying off because this is the kind of market that, you know, is just rewarding, you know, the, the chase we've been talking. Chase usually doesn't work, but it is right now. And that's why I am concerned that a lot of traders are probably picking up some really bad habits here. Um, that's okay. You can learn the hard way. But if you're newer, Keep it small until you really are comfortable with, you know, where you, your trading is. So, I mean, you're going to think, okay, I, I've got the holy grail here. I killed it in April and May. So I know I can just load up and go on margin on all these other, you know, crappy stocks. And they're going to really rally back. You know, eventually you get caught with like a Chesapeake and it falls 50% on you. So two, two things for the newer traders. One, stay diversified in your trading portfolio. Don't even worry about, people will say, oh yeah, you can go all in on you know, all these stocks and you just get out if it, if it getting, I mean, Chesapeake risk happens fast. You buy that thing last night at 80, you're looking at a 40, it's last half your money. If you're diversified and you're, you know, you're only putting in a, minute, a max 10% in any one given stock, well, then you're only down 5% on your overall account today in a Chesapeake. So you got to stay diversified in your overall trading portfolio. I, I'm going to tell you, you, chasing has been working, but I don't believe it works in the long run. Um, just from prop trading experience and watching so many other traders fail with that. Um, so I think it's all about coming in and looking for setups, looking when you can control the risk. Because when you're, when you're starting in this, what is going to define your trading career is not how much you make on your winners. It's how much you lose on your losers. The discipline is what will keep you in the game. 
people ask me, you know, in my trading portfolio, when I'm looking at my overnight trades, and my, you know, obviously you're gonna take some hits every once in a while. Nothing you can do when you're trading overnight. But for the most part, when I start getting down in a position, I start out. trying to work out of it as best I can, minimize the damage. You know, in some cases, you know, it's overnight, things move down. But, you know, like I said, I eat the losses. If I, if I got a stock and I, I thought I like the setup and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, it's down here overnight, um, you know, 5%, I don't say, okay, well, I only want to sell at 1% loss. I can't sell at a 5% loss because it's way more than I was planning to lose. Well, that's how that 5% loss becomes a 10% loss, becomes a 20% loss, becomes a 50% loss, becomes, you know, the, the, just the inevitable erosion of your trading capital. So you've got to eat the losses even when they're bigger than you want to eat them. And a lot of times you, you get clipped on news, right? Oh, or, I, I, I trade overnight. Change. I get clipped on news every single night. I get <laughs> clipped on news every single night. Like I had 50 overnight positions. Well, the odds of you you know, not having a random piece of news hit one of those 50 stocks is actually pretty low. So, you know, being able to trade around the news is obviously, you know, something I specialize in. I trade the headlines. So when I have a headline going against me, I'm trying to minimize the damage as much as possible. When I have a headline go for me, I'm trying to maximize the, the bonus, you know, because it, let's just say, you know, I bought the stock as a technical setup. It looks good at 50. It gets upgraded overnight. So now it's a 52. Okay, well, there's new information here. What's that upgrade worth? Is it worth three bucks? Is it worth four bucks? Because maybe I was only going for a buck, so I could hit the initial bid, selling it for two bucks. But if the upgrade's worth three, then I'm net minus one in my head because I feel like I should get three out of that. So it's knowing what stuff is worth. And, you know, and, and obviously, you know, it's just news. And, you know, in this market, it's trickier to figure out because we're in an environment that nothing makes sense. But in most markets, you can figure out stock gets upgraded probably going up, you know, a certain amount. Stock is downgraded, probably going down a certain amount. There's, there's easy ways to figure that stuff out um, just from, you know, just from experience. But in this market, it's a funny market. And like I've been saying, you, normally on a bankruptcy headline on Chesapeake, I'd sell that short all day long. When a stock goes bankrupt, I jump in very, very quickly. Um, I'm getting hit on stocks. As I come Real in. quick, oh, while, while, you, while you're working out of that, yeah. we're going to go to Todd Gordon in one minute here. Yeah, but I, saw, I'll, I see I'll a couple. Jump in. So I, you say your thing, and then I'll say my thing. Okay. Well, I actually had two things, but I only say okay, one thing. Okay, fine. Go. Uh, people are looking at work. And I thought I saw a headline that they're doing something with Amazon. I don't know if I dreamt that up, but I thought I read that, that uh, Amazon's giving it to older employees. Uh, that's good. But Nice double bottom there. So if you're if you picked this thing up yesterday, you got thirty fifty two, you got thirty fifty five. Those are the last two sessions. Settled a little bit in the red yesterday, uh, but boy oh boy, I mean you know, got to give yourself maybe a little bit more room than you know just under that double bottom. But so far, it withstood the selling pressure after earnings, held thirty fifty two, thirty fifty five. So. There's a nice little setup for you, a nice little double bottom there in work. You go ahead, and We Spencer. look at this stuff, and that's just classic technical analysis, Joel's levels. I mean, when I look at the, the previous day's range, when you're trading the next day, you always look, okay, where was the low yesterday? Because it might just bottom the same area. And I mean, if you were playing that on work yesterday, you could have got it right near the lows. And it, tried, and, and it came right to it and then started bouncing off it again. This is how this stuff works. So, you know, these are good stuff that I've learned from you, Joel, just on the levels. I mean, there's so many different strategies. And just about balancing them all. It's about, you know, finding something that works for you. You know, if you're not a headline trader, don't worry about it. Don't trade the headlines. Trade the technicals. Trade different things. 
but there's, you know, lots of different ways to trade these markets. And I'm not going to argue with you. If you've got a system that works and maybe it's never worked for me, like I've never been a fan of moving averages and people think I'm nuts. Everybody always wants to know what's all your technical indicators. Show them to me. And I've always best been, I don't really use much technicals. I use support resistance and trends and that's it. Like I said, you know, my technical analysis book is four pages, support resistance, trends, 50% retracement. That's it. I don't use anything else. I have any other lines on my charts, none. And people might say, oh, you're nuts for that. Well, I've been profitable, you know, every year in my 20 year trading career. So I don't need them. I, I, I'm, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, if, if this stuff start, stops working, maybe I'll eventually go and, you know, start to look at different moving averages. But I feel like there's so many people who use so many different indicators, they just get lost in them all. I just want to know, is the stock in an uptrend? Is the stock in a downtrend? If I don't know the stock. And that's why I said I, 90% of the trades I put on, I don't even look at a chart. I don't even look at a chart for it. I have one chart, you know, five screens, one little chart in a little corner. And that's just because if I don't know the stock, I need to know if it's in an uptrend or downtrend. That's it. So that's how, you know, I'm not using technical analysis. Oh, nice cup and handle pattern, you know, from your technical analysis book, it's bound to break out. No, you know, we talk about it sometimes on the show and, you know, and sometimes these setups can be sweet, but ducks in a row, I would never just buy a stock because it has a cup and handle pattern. It's not for me. All right, I'm going I'm to save my comment until after our guest segment here, and I want to bring our guest on now, Todd Gordon. He is a managing director at Ascent Wealth Partners. Now we bring the technical now. <laughs> I wasn't poo-pooing at all, Todd Gordon. I can't Todd wait Gordon. to jump into this conversation. I don't know why it went that way. Bring Todd in. <laughs> it was perfect, Dennis. It was perfect. <laughs> I just like – I keep it simple. And, Todd, I love your technical analysis. We see you on CNBC, and you keep it fairly simple too. So I know like you talk and you look at your different levels, but you're not complicated with your technical analysis. And that's why I like the way you talk, well, TA. Let's talk how you talk charts. Well, <laughs> you, know what, you know what's happening, Dad? I, I love that, that, uh, that rant you just went on. I have so much, so much to say on that one. You know, to be <laughs> honest, I, I, the, 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 the style of technical analysis that I've kind of developed over the last 20 years is, is one that many don't, don't really gravitate to. They say it's too confusing. They say it's too subjective, which is Elliott Wave. So basically, I'm going in the closet <laughs> with Elliott Wave. I, I'll forever do it. I love it. I'm tired of explaining it. People say, well, it's too subjective. If it doesn't work out, then you're going to change the count. Well, that's the same thing with any form of analysis, whether it's technical analysis, whether it's fundamental analysis. First, to your point, Dennis, on moving averages, I feel the same way. I've never used moving averages. I've never seen the, the validity. Is it the 5? Is it the 13, the 21, the 34, the 50, the 55? Like, which one is it? Like, talk about being subjective. However, I would say I've never seen the market respect the 200-day moving average so much over the last year or maybe two years in the indexes. Have you noticed that in the S&P? Like, that all of a sudden has become relevant. Is that because maybe there's just so many traders that, you know, the first thing they do when they start trading is they pick up a technical analysis book. And that's one of the first, you know, things on page like five that people talk about. I mean, it's a I, very common thing to maybe, talk about as a 200, 200 day. I guess, but I mean, hasn't been, hasn't been the case. I mean, when I first picked up my first trade technical analysis book was Alexander Elder's trading for a living. You know, I learned first time to learn to draw tread lines in college and then you know the 200 days been out forever but i just i just find the s&p um respecting the daily and the weekly but to your point you know i'm with you i don't know the right way and you know i I did a presentation for the cmt in in new york and 
I brought up the point, if, it, if the market's pulling back to a trend line, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to wait for it to fade and, and short the break? Or are you supposed to buy the break? Like, I, I don't know. What do you do with trend lines? What do you do with a test of a moving average? So I guess my point is, is it's all subjective. Take fundamental analysis. It's, it's, Does it's that all, matter it's anymore? It's all backward looking. <laughs> Do <laughs> fundamentals what matter that? anymore? What is fundamental analysis? <laughs> We've thrown, we took our fundamental hat a month ago and we threw it out the window. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I feel like, yeah. I mean, what the most fundamental analysts were off by 10 million jobs on the last <laughs> NFT report. But, but um, I guess my point is like, okay, let's look at interest rates. Lower interest rates. Is that good for the underlying economy or is it bad? So it depends on which fundamental analyst you, you speak to. I think I think the the the, the takeaway is all anal- analysis is subjective, unless, like sure. you said, you're you're running a system. It's all we're trying to literally predict future human behavior. It's going to be subjective. Yep. That's exactly what we're trying to, be, to predict in all the trading. And people use different methods to do it. And like I was saying earlier, I don't know if you heard this part. You probably just heard me trash in technical analysis. But I started, I started the rant, Todd, saying whatever works for you. I said it hasn't worked right. for me as well as it has for other traders. There's some great TA traders out there, you being one of them. And if, you, if Elliott Wave works for you, by all means, continue to do it. It was probably too complicated. Right. My brain probably isn't big enough to process it all on Elliott way which is probably why i never tried maybe if i did maybe all of a sudden i'd be like hey this elliott wave really works but um you know i was was never you know the best student in school so i always had to keep it simple just to get by it's it's not that it's dennis it's it's 13 rules a few guidelines it's not being intelligent from an iq point i think this is this is a takeaway for for i think for the fundamental technical analysis debate that we're having it's not IQ that makes you a good trader. It's EQ. It's emotional intelligence there to you know go. that you can't like know that. the future. You have to have the confidence to sit down at your trading screen, which I'm not telling you or any of your good traders and viewers uh, who are listening, that, that you can't. your job is not to figure out what's going to happen in the future. It's to properly assess and know all the things that are happening right in front of you currently and then put yourself in the best position to stay out of harm's way and hopefully make money as a result. So it's having the emotional intelligence to know it's not my job to predict the future because that's what you're trying to do. You're wasting a lot of energy. We're on the line. Can you explain Elliott wave just quickly? Can you give us just a quick three minutes because Elliott wave people, we have a lot of newer listeners. They're like, I've never even heard of this Elliott wave. If you had to explain Elliott wave and your three minute, you know, go. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So, so it's a it's a pattern of it, it's basically rooted in Dow theory, which the market advances in three major uh, phases. So you have the accumulation to start, widespread participation as the second phase, and then the third is distribution. And that was first coined by Charles Dow, obviously follow, father of the Dow theory. R. N. Elliott back in the in the twenties, thirties, forties, he was very popular. He was a uh, uh, an accountant, and he was brought on by the presidential administration to go down to Latin America, do an accounting system for what's going on uh, down there as they were developing. He was then um, <clears throat> kind of sickened later in life. He brought it back. He became very popular in the markets, and he took Charles Dow, and he basically went into more detail in, in terms of assigning trends and corrections and, and, and you know, trying to figure out you know, what the mass psychology is through each trend phase. So, so basically, if you have an idea that buyers in control in a trend wave, 
then how far should it advance? You then assign Fibonacci to it and say, here's possible upside levels. I hope that made sense. Gotcha. Okay. All right, so, Dennis, Dennis has stopped talking. Joel, you wanted to say something. You can Dennis, get. stop talking. Should we wait a Did second? I stop talking? No. <laughs> I think Spencer <laughs> muted me. No, We're on the line with Todd oh, Gordon. Wait. Managing Director at Ascent Wealth Partners, uh, founder of Trading Analysis, CNBC contributor. Todd, I've been thinking a lot about you lately, and you made the, the <laughs> jump in the, way, in the money management, okay? Right. And the market just completely comes unraveled, right? So I guess that was like a, a good timing on your part, right? If you're, you know, if you're looking at your your uh, your Elliott wave and everything, just talk to us a little bit, like how you handled it from a, you know, from a transition standpoint, and then you know, how's it going now? I mean, you could be looking like a genius here if you were buying the dip. Yeah, <laughs> thanks for that. Um, no, it's been very fun. It's been something I wanted to do for a long time is to is to get out of the sort of the trading education, very short term nature. And, and, you know, you guys are, are the kings of it, I think. For me, I just wanted to slow down and just basically get to know my clients better, have a more intimate relationship. Um, so there's been money coming in. Uh, I've joined a very quality firm uh, at Ascent. We're, we're, we're 11 deep, almost 800 million uh, under management. So <clears throat> I've been learning the ways of, uh, you know, of a institutional portfolio manager, Clients have come in, and I have been using my technical sort of field to deploy capital. Um, you know, in what I thought to be support areas, we're moving clients towards uh, their target equity allocation. So I think the response has been good. Uh, you know, fixed income is a is a part of a portfolio. Cash is another part, and we do have other vehicles as well. You know, we're looking at um, option hedging. We're looking at, um, alternatives. We do, we do some, um, alt deals. So it's been a pretty awesome transition and you know, really getting to, uh, sort of enjoy that the clients that have come on board. It's the people who are listening to us at home are very successful people and they have interesting stories. And how are you assessing this rally here? I mean, holy macro. <laughs> it just, to your point earlier, you just got to set the fundamentals aside. I mean, I think you need to realize that the market, I know everyone is saying that stock market is a discounting vehicle, but you know, I think the market was discounting something that not many people are talking about, whether it's 5G, whether it's uh, artificial intelligence, whatever the technology rally was discounting pre-COVID. I think we're going back to it again. Um, I do think we're in a strong bull market. I, I think it pays you to not overthink it. Valuations are getting pretty tight, but with uh, you know the Fed as supportive as a market as it is, I think those valuations are justified. And I'm bullish. I like it. So, Todd, you're managing institutional money. We talk about what moves markets all the time on this show. The kind of money, the money that you're managing, that's the kind of money that really moves markets. So what has the tone been like in the meetings you've had with clients going back to March or even just today? How, like, were they panicky? Were they not? What was the tone like? You know, especially it was, it was, they, they weren't. Um, and again, I, I joined just before the, the volatility really hit and I've heard stories and I sat in on meetings with, you know, our older guys, our older portfolio managers who, you know, are speaking with clients and, you know, they have a long relationship. Uh, so as long as you're properly allocated, you know, as long as you have good fundamental stocks, you know, the drawdowns weren't as painful. Uh, you know, it was, it was a 30% drop. I mean, how many times have we seen a 30% drop of the last 10 years? I think we've seen it three or four times. So, you know, it, it wasn't as earth shattering as it felt. You know, we came out well. Uh, I think if you're in 
a good portfolio, you know where you are, you know, at, at what stage of life. So, you know, if you are 65 and a couple of years from retirement, you know, what percent of your money should you be trading along with Benzinga or trading analysis? And then the rest of the money, as long as you know where you're at, you have a good plan, you shouldn't have to worry too much. And that's important. That's something I always told my trading analysis people is, you know, if you want a short-term trade options with me, take it with 10, 15% of your portfolio, but know what the rest of your portfolio is doing. As long as you have a good plan, and that's the case, you know, for a short-term trade or a long-term investment, then there's no reason to, uh, to get emotional about it. Yeah, that's a great point. All right, Todd Gordon, as we mentioned, is a managing director. Wait, at stop. Stanford. We got to give a, get a stock pick from Todd. We need to give us a stock pick. <laughs> I, I don't know if he can give those out anymore. Can you? Oh, maybe he can't. Can you? Um, no, I didn't. No, we can't. I mean, listen. Um, or give us an idea. So you can I go broad don't... if you want. We ask our institutional traders if they right. need to go sector related, they can do that too. Yeah. We don't, no, we don't want to get you in trouble, you Todd. Don't... No, it's it's good. It's it, that's the that's an, another thing I've been getting used to is uh is 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 being more measured in what I say and in, in, in terms of what we hold in the portfolio and what we don't. I mean, I, how do you not like Apple here? We hold it in all three of our portfolios. We broken resistance. Um, I think the Nasdaq was just the NDX was just kind of hovering below the highs while other sectors beating down sectors have been coming back. And I I believe there's a rotation coming back into tech here. So I'm bullish. I like Apple higher. There we go. All right. I got the pick. I like Apple too. Still long it as well. I'm with you, Todd. Nice. All right. Todd Gordon is Sent Wealth Partner, CNBC contributor. Todd, thank you so much for the time and uh, be safe out there. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Take care. All right. Uh, 8.49 now, guys. About 10 minutes left in today's show. We can go to the chat. We can. Uh, oh, no. Here's what I want to say before. Sure, uh, sure. So, so Spinner put this link in, in the chat. I'll bring, it, I'll bring it up now, Dennis. This, this will. Uh, this, this will, uh, I, I don't know if it will surprise you, but uh, I think you'll find it interesting. This is some uh, third-party data, so it's definitely not going to be 100% accurate, but this is a tweet from, from the, the Robin Track account. They just track Robinhood activity, uh, and these were the top 10 stocks that uh, had the greatest increase in the number of users on Robinhood holding them yesterday. So, 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 so the question, it's like the chicken and the egg argument. Is Robinhood, there was an argument, a few arguments being made, and I've seen it on Twitter too, that Robinhood traders are moving the market. And the question is, are there obviously, you know, most of these are smaller traders and you wouldn't think they could, but as a whole, are they big enough to be able to move the market? I got a tweet there that I tweeted out and I don't have my Twitter account open, so I got to go open that right now. But I was looking at the Jets ETF. And that's, that's I just not, go that's, get that's, it. Did you see that tweet? No, I, no. But it's I'm trying to see if I liked it or if I uh, maybe I tweeted it out. I retweeted it. But oh yeah, here it is. So Jets. This is from Morgan Barna, CFA. Oh nice, yeah, another CFA. Jets, thirty-seven thousand hold, holders on Robinhood. And, okay, so they're saying in the Jets ETF, there's thirty-seven thousand people holding the Robinhood in, in Robinhood, and. If the average account size is 2,000, just doing the quick math that this Morgan girl was doing, um, if, the, if, the, if there's 2,000, uh, if the average account is $2,000, that would mean that $74 million of Jets assets are being held at Robinhood, and that's 4.6% of the ETF. That's 5% of the ETF, and that's short-term money in, a st in, in Robinhood. These are traders for the most part. They're going to be getting in and out. So it's telling you, because there's going to be a lot of Jets, you know, ETF holders that, you know, maybe long-term institutional money that isn't going to move around. This is money that's going to move. So the question is, 
is all the airline stocks going up because Robinhood's all excited about it and they're just buying? Or, you know, is it a combination? Or is it just the fact that Robinhood's just chasing the move after it already happens and maybe it was institutional money moving it? I mean, those are difficult questions to answer that we don't have the answer to. But what are your thoughts here? I mean, 5% or, four, you know, this math, and obviously we don't know if it's correct, but, you know, just doing the quick math, 4.6% of the Jets ETF, which is obviously the airline ETF, being held at Robinhood. Well, it's not just Robinhood. There are other free trading apps that are popular. And of course, this person is arguing just Robinhood. So that's a great point you're making, Spencer. So you've got all these other trading apps that might be having it too. Yeah. We've always dismissed, you know, and and Wall Street has always dismissed retail and saying, you know, retail is the dumb money. Retail doesn't move stocks. You know, I've even said it's institutional money that moves stocks, but maybe it's turning. Maybe it's retail that actually can move stocks. I mean, you won't read that in any of your, you know, know, money management books that, you know, retail, you always think about, you know, 12% or 15%, but maybe with everybody in the lockdown, maybe retail starting to take over and start to dominate and starting to push. And there's a lot of great retail traders. We have a lot of them that listen to this show. So maybe retail's not, not the dumb money anymore. Maybe it's starting to become some of the smart money. I'm just arguing it. Is that taking into account too uh, the options that are they're being held in these airline stocks? And no, uh, I don't no, think so. No, no, because I know that that I mean that's why a lot of people uh, you know are attracted to options because of leverage. All I have to say is in this Jet CTF that either the institutions went out at twenty two or the Robinhood traders went out at twenty two because you hit twenty two ten on Monday, twenty one ninety five yesterday with a twenty one ninety four close and you're down here. So twenty two bucks, if you're looking for an, that is just a key number to uh to take out. And uh triple D, I just wanna, you know, you are all over that American Airlines. I mean, I don't think I've seen you more emphatic on a call than you were on, what was it, Friday, on American Airline, you know, being a short. And it had that 2289, 2280 high, uh, tried to rally yesterday. Now it's down in the red again here, down to buck 58. I mean, I I said it yesterday. I think the highs were in on all these, all the airline stocks. I think the rallies are to be sold into. Um, UAL was up significantly last night, trading over $50 and was going to take out monday's high well look what happened they pulled the rug out from under it overnight now it's not going to take it now you got a pesky little double top in place in ual so even despite it trading up after hours the after hours chart don't hit your intraday charts and for the most part and people don't look at pre-market and after hours action on their charting services you know, on, the law, in, on their dailies because that, that isn't going to show up so you know i i think those are still in place i think on the airlines the delta did not breach Monday's high. American Airlines significantly off Monday's high. Saved, tried, closed fairly strong, but now they're pulling the rug out from under it too. So I think those highs are safe for now. And like I said, I think the rallies are to be sold. And if you were selling in yesterday's rally, you're making some money. I mean, they rallied all day. They were up strong again. But now you're looking, I think, you know, the chase was on and I think it needs to cool off. Am I saying, you know, you know the all time, the, 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 you know, the high of the whole entire moves in? No, but I think it needs a cool off period. And that's what you're seeing. And I I think it might be. I still think, you know, fundamental analysis is going to matter to a certain extent here. I mean, people are seeing a painful lesson in CHK this morning when they just throw the fundamentals out the window. Company, you know, going to declare bankruptcy. Oh, my goodness, it can fall 50%. Um, these, These airlines aren't out of the woods. 
I, I don't think at this point in time we're going to see any bankruptcies out of the blue here, but they're burning cash. There's a lot of fundamental problems. Um, you know, if a company ceases, you know, or goes bankrupt, for the most part, usually they go down. I know right now we think they don't, but they do. Um, there's just been some exceptions the last few days, which eventually I think Hertz is going to give it back. I eventually think, you know, Chesapeake's going to be a lot lower, if not zero. So I, I, I just, I think this was a gift and so many stocks. The last rallies for the last few days, and it might continue. We don't know where this thing tops out, but if you're in these stocks and you were, you know, watching a stock go from twenty dollars to fifteen to ten to five, and all of a sudden it's back at twenty, I'd be ringing the register and moving into better things. Uh, Eighteen bucks is your your key level for uh, for American. You had a high uh, last Thursday at eighteen eighteen, and then on uh, on Friday you came down to seventeen eighty. You had a nice gap fill and then a nice day. So keeping an eye on 18, I think for these stocks, the best thing would be just to hold, like hold, just consolidate like three or four days. Like don't go down, like don't give up the Ford, hang in there, hang in, hang in there, get a little bit of a consolidation, boom. And then another move higher. So it, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to go straight up to 2280 to 25. It doesn't necessarily have to break 18 and go to 15. I think what you want is at least uh, some kind of consolidation here. Maybe you'll see that over the next couple of days. A question from uh, the, the chat in sure. Pro. We've been talking about stocks that retail has uh, fallen over themselves for. And this one is was in favor and I guess now is out of favor, but we're being asked about it. Uh, space, SPCE, Virgin Galactic. This one, um, I'll pull up the chart here and, and you can just see, but it really has been quiet over the past couple. And I thought maybe uh, it could catch a bid uh, on the heels or before the, the space. Yeah, good call on it. Uh, it was okay. It was an okay call, uh, but it's really been quiet. I, I bought it. I, right? I own it. I bought in the long-term portfolio really? uh, about two or three days ago, just because I felt like the 15 level was huge support. And I thought eventually this could start to get some life just because this is still a potential growth story here. We know they don't have any revenue yet, but there's a story here. Um, I'm going to try to hold on to this one a little longer term. Again, you know, it starts getting under 15, 14. I might stop myself out. It's one of those trades right now that could become a long-term investment if it goes higher. Um, and, and, I, and this is, you know, something I've never talked about on the show very rarely. I've had trades that they've just gone so well, just saying, you know, like I'm always very specific to cut. You know, sometimes they designate it's an investment, it's a trade. Sometimes a trade can become a long-term investment. If you're up in it and you're like, you know what, the story's getting better, you know, Hero is coming in this thing, but it's starting to look good. I would say never let a trade become a long-term investment because you're down in it. But if you want to make a trade become an investment because you're up in it, go for it. I've had these things happen before. I think the story is intact. I think we're going to be talking more and more about, you know, this company. I think every time SpaceX gets mentioned, this seems to get a pop with it as well because they see this as a pure play to SpaceX. I think you're going to hear a lot of SpaceX over the course of the next few years. I like SPC here. Totally Even though valuations con- yeah, are impossible yeah. to figure out because they don't have revenue, I like the story. This is totally contrary to what you said yesterday when I was talking about the auto stocks. They're like, you know, people are going out and buying cars. People are going to go out and spend 350 k to go to go into space. 
Well, they can't yet. So fast forward, fast forward two years, maybe they will. Sure. And this is this is not contrary to what I was saying for one reason, Joel, in the making the argument. I was saying people might buy luxury cars. There's ninety nine point nine 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 percent of your people will never be able to afford something like this. This is for the ultra rich. So we know what they have so far. So that's they're going to be impacted zero by being in a depression. The rich are rich and they, you know, they might do this, but you've got to think about SPC as not just that. They're going to probably follow the SpaceX protocol where they're going to be launching their own rockets to get stuff up there. I mean, I, I see it doing much more than that. Don't you, Spencer? I see it much yeah. doing much more potentially than yeah. just human travel into outer space. I mean, that's what they're talking about right now, but there's a potential that this could do a lot more things. The company's market cap is only $3 billion. So you do have a huge, obviously, investor, you know, obviously, you know, one of the you know, well-known people behind this. And um, if SpaceX was public right now, and not saying SPCE is SpaceX, Elon right. Musk is Elon Musk, he's a genius, he's always going to get a premium. But if SpaceX was public right now, what do you think SpaceX market cap would be? That's a question in the chat, too. If SpaceX was public, and you see Tesla trading with you know, and we'll just go look at the market cap of Tesla right now. And obviously, it was up this morning. Baron was talking about whatever it. it whatever. One hundred seventy-six billion is Tesla. I think if SpaceX was public right now, it'd be worth a hundred billion dollars. I'm not joking in this market because this is the way things are getting priced. So if SpaceX is potentially, and I don't know what it is in the private market. Maybe somebody can tell me what it's worth in the private market. Maybe you can actually evaluate that. So maybe I don't even have to ask that question. Maybe the answer is out oh, there. Oh yeah, maybe it's true. There's yeah, private yeah. markets that value this stuff. What is the, what is SpaceX worth? Does somebody know what it's worth in the private market? It probably can be figured out. That's the catch with uh, private companies. So I'm just arguing. Is yeah, SpaceX is worth 100 billion? SPCE, I think, is worth a hell of a lot more than 3 billion. I like this story. And then the the argument against it was, well, it's run so much, but if you look at the chart, it really it's really cooled off here. So if you were bullish a couple months ago and you were too afraid to buy it, you're you're getting Pull rewarded. Back. You're getting rewarded here and. Uh, for waiting so i mean it got down to six seven bucks it hasn't went crazy this story has the potential to get hot again i put this in my long-term portfolio with a little bit like if it starts to look like this no 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 revenue stuff really starts to roll over and this thing starts getting under 15 maybe i'll cut the loss i bought it at, i believe 15.95 somewhere just under 16 bucks uh, about three days ago and you know you put this on my radar spencer i just keep i keep seeing that 15 i was like it's huge support the story has the potential to get hot I see a lot of catalysts for why I maybe want to be long a stock by SPCE. Like right. SPC. Uh, just to recap our show here, I'll pull up on Benzinger Pro watch list. These are all the stocks we talked about during today's show. Well, stocks and ETFs that we, that we covered on today's show. If you want to keep them on your radar for today, uh, I want to thank our guest, Todd Gordon. Thanks to all of you in our chat. If you listen to this show on YouTube, please hit that like button, subscribe to our channel, uh, it tells the YouTube algorithm that we're here uh, and we're alive and well, and then it helps more people find our show. So thanks to everyone who participated in our chats. You can always catch a replay of this show on YouTube or via our podcast, which is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play. Please remember that all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes only, not for investing or trading advice for a free two-week trial 
of Benzinga Pro. Click on the link in the description of this video on YouTube. That is our real-time news platform. It's what we use to find our news and research during the show. And on that note, I think we are done for today. So everyone have a great rest of your Tuesday. Joel and I will be back at 3.40. In the meantime, good luck out there and stay safe.